From thepracticalherbalist.com, I'm Patrick, and this is Real Herbalism Radio. This show is brought to you by Practical Herbalist Press, herbal books for today's practical herbalist. Find their books on at Amazon.com today. Welcome to Show 50, or a re-airing of Show 8, Dude, It's Legal, Marijuana and Cannabis Laws Open the Door to New Exploration. This year, as the DA possibly removes marijuana as a Schedule 1 drug and Ohio voters legalize cannabis, we thought it appropriate to offer it again. Now here's show number 50, oh, I mean show number 8. Enjoy. Dude, it's legal. Marijuana and cannabis laws open the door to new exploration of this herb. This month, three states plus Washington, D.C. asked voters to decide whether or not marijuana should be legalized for recreational use. Only one rejected legalizing it. Today, we are going to take a look at the laws that have been passed focusing on organ and medicinal use and recreational use of marijuana. Please be aware that some of the language and subject matter may be colorful and inappropriate for younger listeners. And in Herbalism 101, we define the term neuropathy and herbs to treat it. Now, here are your hosts from practicalherbalist.com, Candace Hunter and Sue Sierra Lupe. I'm Candace Hunter. And I'm Sue Sierra Lupe. And welcome to, to Real, Real Herbalism, Herbalism Radio. Draw. Spliff. Puff. Shit. Call it what you will. But it's my belief, it is the door to enlightenment. And now, the acid test. I love that clip from Saving Grace. It really does a great job of introducing us into the topic that we want to bite off on today. That's right. Which is a big one that's been in the news this last, uh, just a couple weeks ago, actually. Yeah, yeah. Uh, three states out of four and the, the Washington, D.C. all decided to legalize legalized recreational use of marijuana. Correct, yeah. And I would say in Oregon, it has constantly been in the news. People talk <laughs> about it all the time in this state. I don't know what it's like in other places, but it's especially in Eugene, Oregon. It's a big one. A Today, we're going to bring Patrick in, too, on the discussion. Hi, how are you doing? Welcome to the show, Patrick. <laughs> he's, he's had a lot to say at home, let me tell you what, about the legalization of recreational use of marijuana. Oh, it's a huge topic. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I've always been pro, and then when I read uh, Oregon's amendment, I couldn't go along with it. Right. So why was that? Well, because of the, the way that they're going to control it doesn't allow herbalists to do what they need to do with it mm-hmm. at home you can't make a i mean the biggest biggest issue i find with it is you can't extract you can't make a tincture right right yeah and i think the reason they are doing that is because they're trying to control to make sure that people aren't making hash and other derivatives of that but at the same time like you just said for herbalists recreational or somebody else's make or glycerin you can mm-hmm. extract yeah glycerin. you're allowed according to the 57th measure you're allowed to extract only vegetable glycerin you're not allowed to use any other solvent which let's face it includes water you can't even make tea mm-hmm. that's and right to me that is offensive and ridiculous yeah, the only water that you're allowed to use is water that would be in a bong Mm-hmm. Exactly. Well, no, actually, you're not allowed to use that either. You're all, you're allowed to vaporize it, and you're allowed to smoke it. Well, yeah, but but, uh, but you know, smoking in a bong is... Is that the same thing yeah. as vaporizing? Right. Yeah. Okay. But what the water does is it, is it cools the smoke. Oh, yes. So, yeah, that water would be acceptable, and, and, apparently. And no one 
No Amber one drinks. Drinks that water. <laughs> the bottled water. <laughs> when you're in college, someone gets you to drink it once. Someone gets you to drink it. Yeah, that's called freshman control. <laughs> Taste it. It's really good for you. <laughs> so the laws that, like Oregon, we're going to be allowed to, starting in July of 2015, we'll be allowed to cultivate our own plants. I think it's a maximum of four. But, mm-hmm. you know, still, you could have your own little marijuana plant growing if you wanted. That's right. So um, you Colorado your- already allows that. Mm-hmm. Right. I believe Alaska is going to allow it. Washington State does not allow that, correct? Yeah. Yeah. You st- it's, it's still kind of a litigious nightmare to get anything through Washington. I know somebody that... From Oregon and went up to Washington and said, "Oh well, uh, while I'm here, I'll just go and get myself some pot from the clinic." And they're like, "Oh no, 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 no! It's not that simple." <laughs> and what the other person said is, "If you want to get really good quality marijuana, don't go to a Washington clinic. Go right. to Oregon and buy it on the street." <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oregon is really well known for its marijuana. Yeah, because even though they're <laughs> testing it. Uh, in their labs to make right. sure it is what it really is. Is still there's a lot of really poor quality stuff that is still the same, the same variation, the same species or hybrid that they're looking for. But it, you know, it's a really great way to pawn off. Um, if, if I should just say crappy product, right. and that's what the growers are currently doing. Right. So there's not much. There's not much. Uh, well, capitalism will, comes in handy for that, but there's just not much competition at this point. Right. There's only a couple of states, and that will, I'm sure, change as as more legalization happens. Right. And we should say there's a very different. There is a big distinction in the terms here. Um, there's decriminalization, which the or, Oregon was the very first state in the union to decriminalize marijuana in 1973. In 1970, the United States. Uh, Congress changed the the mandatory sentencing for um, drug um, drug use, and they took marijuana off illicit drug use. So that paved the way for Oregon in '73 to decriminalize, meaning that you could have an ounce or less right. on your person without going to jail. Right, so, it becomes a misdemeanor. There's like a fine associated, but it's yeah, at least it's a, not right jailable offense. Right, you're not going to a penal colony and. You know, somewhere horrible for for having a, a bong on you or something like that. But now we're that's very different than what people uh, have now. So the the amount that you can have on you is very different now with legalization. And the right. the next step after decriminalization is allowing medical use, and that's in a variety of different states. But there's only a few that states that have. Both, of course, you have to have decriminalization in order to have the medical marijuana. Sure. But then that's why the next step is just legalization. So exactly. you're allowed to have all, yeah, all of it. Right. Yeah. So a lot of the states that currently allow medical marijuana, the next next step naturally will be their legalization. Right. And I've heard talk that California is looking at a ballot issue probably in 2016. Yeah. For moving into recreational use as well. Yep. Well, they're going to do that again, and they're choosing 2016 is because they're going to grab on the momentum that they already had with the four, with the three successes, and that same group is going to thrust it into California because that'll be a presidential election. So they're hoping for a much higher turnout. Right. Um, And I think they think that's going to be the golden goose. That's going to be the one that. You know, switches it over across the country. I don't. I don't think if you look at the legalization map in uh, on uh, like what we saw it on Wikipedia, mm-hmm. it's it's definitely um, very uh, red state 
anti-red state thing. So, <laughs> yeah. you, you know, if you look at the map, it's like every red state you can think of has pretty much got zero acceptance of this. Yeah, right. Maybe, you know, um, the decriminalization. But if you look at it, it's like, oh, geez, everywhere where the Republicans hold stronghold, there's just they're not going to let it go. But one of the ones that surprises me actually is that Minnesota hasn't gone for the medical use at that point at this point because they're so well known for their medical research hmm. of the the you know well, the according to the map they do they do allow both medical and they have decriminalization laws oh do they yeah. okay yeah so medical yeah. so, so they're on their way yeah yeah Minnesota does mm-hmm. um, but there's an, enough of swaths of, again in the country that yeah nope yeah. yeah. <laughs> Right. Yeah, but there's still this huge stigma about what smoking marijuana recreationally looks like. And, you know, part of the problem for getting it legalized, not that I'm necessarily pro or anti-legalization, I just want it to be done intelligently, is that there's this idea that once you make it legal, then everyone's going to be smoking pot. And, you know, then the four horsemen of the apocalypse see them riding in and on their green horses or With whatever. Bombs. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's it. Yeah, that, that's the end of it. And and I don't necessarily see that happening in, happening Colorado in Colorado or in yeah. Washington. Um, right. There's some good parts of that, but there's also some very real scenarios. We do need to acknowledge that marijuana is a drug and it makes a, if it's doing its job, then it's changing your brain chemistry, hopefully not permanently, although studies are, are kind of questioning that one. So that you're not feeling pain, you know, that's used medicinally. You're not feeling pain or, you know, your symptoms of multiple sclerosis or whatever are are starting to subside. Uh, But unfortunately, that puts it in the category of something that will be used as a narcotic or as a um, an addictive substance because it very quickly uh, takes away the symptoms or it changes your mindset or something like that. Then, you know, I, I wouldn't say that. There's very many things that people aren't concerned about for addiction that don't, they have to make that really quick brain chemistry. Otherwise, people aren't really addicted to it that much. So if you drink an espresso and all of a sudden you're jazzed up, then you're more likely to be uh, addicted to it because it makes a quick transition for you. Whereas you're just like sipping a little cup of Earl Grey and eventually through the day you start feeling a little zestier. That's not really the, the... Base of an addictive substance, and with marijuana, you're smoking it, and, and it's a pretty quick. Yeah, change. it's a pretty quick, and it's considered a good, good, good marijuana if it makes you change and relax immediately. Right. Yeah. The quicker it acts, and the more potently it acts, the better it is, at least on the street. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Right. Exactly. When you start looking at the what I've seen anyway in terms of medical uses, they're talking about very low amounts, like. One drag off of a joint three times a day, maybe two. I think the term is hit. Hit. Uh, hit. Sorry. <laughs> let's use the term. I used my tobacco terminology, <laughs> yeah, but let's face it. It's a hit. I mean, they're not that different in some ways. They're both sacred plants that have been turned into, you know, a drug. Right. For but one reason or another. And they're both potentially addictive substances. When they're talking a, a heavy user, heavy user is over. Right. It's three, to- three and five times, and it's 250 nanograms 
per joint. They're not just saying, well, if I only smoke one, but mine's the size of, you know, a Lincoln log, then then it's it's not that bad. They regulate the size, what they consider the size of a... Right, Right. but a lot of, like, when I've seen the the suggestions for how to use it medicinally, Mm -hmm. they're just saying, you know, you take, you inhale once. Right, okay, I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One time. Three times a day you do this. Right. You know, this is what they're talking about. Maybe twice. Mm -hmm. But that's all you're doing is you're filling your lungs one to two times and then you're putting it out, setting it down and being done. I mean, it's not like you're finishing a full joint or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Exactly. They're not smoking to get stoned. They're smoking just to calm the nervous system and and deal with nerve pain. Right. Yeah. And that that is very, very different. But see, there's there's what you're looking at here is how many people have that information about what is the difference between just taking a hit and and smoking an entire what are they think? What are they called? <laughs> what are the little things called? Sm- list- joint? Yeah, joint. Sorry. <laughs> I live in Eugene. Like, like well, then- <laughs> it's not that I'm an expert here. Okay. I just know the vernacular. <laughs> right. No, so I'm look- I was looking at Patrick like, come on, hipster. Come on, hipster yeah. guy. You're the only you're the hippie amongst us. Like- <laughs> oh, boy. I mean, I was, I, I had only experienced it, you know, what, even what, five or six years ago, maybe my first time ever. Mm-hmm. And I'm, you know, in my early 40s. So it's. It's not something that's been part of my life until I moved to Oregon. Right. Yeah. Me, me too. Yeah. That, I moved to Oregon, and then all of a sudden, here it is. It's all over the place. And yeah, but you I were tried in college. Younger. I was. <laughs> I was. Yeah. Eighteen years old you when I first tried it. Young. And, and I was like, I still am a, a big lightweight. You know, I have the oh, yeah. two beer limit, like I, I said, and and. I tried one hit off of like, oh, I don't know. And then I tried the second hit. Oh, oh, no, I know. It was, ooh, it was hardcore for me. But it was a different plant back then. It was a different plant back then. And that's, yeah. You know, the the prohibition we've been living under has probably been really bad for our society in terms of understanding what this this plant really does. Mm -hmm. And in terms of the plant itself, we've engineered it over the past has it been 50 60 years yeah we prohibited it for the first time in the 40s i believe it was 43 mm-hmm. was when the federal government added it to the list of you know was it was it then plants. i thought it was earlier Taking but a look it, could, it, could it was either 33 or 43 Okay. One of those two. Either way, I mean, it's it's been because I can and see a whole bunch of GIs being like, "Hey, man," it's become yeah. a real cultural taboo too. So we oh, don't yeah. talk about it. Trying to find appropriate information on you know what this is as a medicine is really hard in our country. Well, yeah, because the, if it's le- illegal, how can anyone do any tests on it? Because they're worried about you know the federal government crashing down their doors and saying right. you can't be doing that. And, and they were, were really severe about it. you. If you got caught growing. Marijuana in Oregon, you could lose your house. Yeah. If, yeah. And if you were the owner of the house renting it to somebody and your renter did that. got caught, you, you lose your house right. because the, of right. the, what the renter did. So there was a lot of... There was. Yeah, yeah. huge. Hit. So it's the Marijuana Tax Act of 1937 effectively made possession or transfer of cannabis illegal throughout the United States under federal law, excluding medical and industrial purposes which is interesting. Mm-hmm. It was on the U.S. Pharmacopoeia until 43. Mm-hmm. That's what the 43 okay. was. Yeah, there's a, there was a three in there. And <laughs> well, the yeah. 19. But the 33, there was, that was when they began the, the criminalization process of it or the turning it into prohibiting it. Uh-huh. And so. then 10 years later, it was taken off the pharmacopoeia. 
narcotics list. Yeah, they, they, they were just they were very busy little people back then. And yeah, it, well, you know, it's a uh, direct result. I mean, and correct me if I'm wrong on the history in this, but it, it really was fine until Hearst had a problem with it. Mm-hmm. You know, right, the, the magazine, yellow and, journalism. Yeah, the newspaper yeah. magnet said, "Hey, you know, you can make paper with hemp. I don't want people to make paper with mm-hmm. hemp. I want to make that product illegal." Like and he it. and he went on a, a, a slander campaign until you know public opinion swayed. Yeah, right. and then you know from there, you know, because he owned all the, the the timber mills that mm-hmm. were producing his paper, so. Yeah, it happened, and then everyone bought into it with the media, you know, slam of it that it'll change, it'll you know, make you schizophrenic, it'll change your mind, mm-hmm. you'll get burned out, and and reefer madness, reefer well, madness, yeah. all of that. Yeah, and some of that, you know, a lot of that was a bunch of lies. But we do have some studies that show that, for instance, people who are predisposed to schizophrenia can can be pushed into it with use of marijuana, mm-hmm. and that it can cause people who are already schizophrenic to have more psychotic episodes, I believe it was. I think that's the right terminology. Mm-hmm. And it can happen as much as hours after, the, after six or seven hours after the notable effects of marijuana have worn off. Right. So it means that, you know, here I am, a schizophrenic person. I've had my mellow, finished smoking. It's wearing off. I'm relaxed. I, I what, sleep, wake up in the middle of the night, I suppose, with a worse... You know, one of my more worst episodes, and I'm not going to recognize necessarily that it was the marijuana that did it. Right. Well, and in this culture right now, what with so little money being poured into helping the mentally ill, remember Reagan basically emptied out the mental institutions and just put them on the streets. We've got all of these people walking around with unmonitored mental illness, and they're having to self-medicate. And the you know the the thing about marijuana is it's got this great image of being the salvation and it'll Mm -hmm. save the world and it'll save you and it'll mellow you out and if everyone just mellow we wouldn't have problems (laughs) and you know that i wish that was it was as simple as that but the truth is is that every brain chemistry works a little bit different like we're Mm -hmm. talking about our alcohol tolerance levels some people just they can't take anything you know we've had people that took some tincture and you know they're having a few drops and it triggers their their alcohol phase that's they're back in it you know, and they like had a few drops. Problems. Yeah. Right. So, and usually those are people that have a variety of other problems too, you know, with mental health, with bipolar disorder, for example. Right. So well, the I brain mean, chemistry has to be owned. And this image that, A, it's this evil plant, we have to stop that. And the image that, no, it's this fabulous savior plant, we have to stop that too. Right. Because it's, it's just a plant. It's a plant that runs down the middle. It's got yep. strong medicine. And I think that. We need to be responsible right. about how we use it. It's not for everybody. It's certainly no. not for kids. No, they've got studies that show that it can be doing some serious damage to the way that your brain develops. Mm-hmm. Um, for young people especially, they look at like when they measure the size of your brain and, and the how it connects, yeah. how the paths connect and all of that. They find that for people who start using young, and they're, I think if you look at the studies themselves, they're probably more clear on that. The people that I've, the doctors that have interpreted the studies mm-hmm. just say young, but I think they're eight, saying somewhere in the neighbor of like 14, 16 years old right. Yeah. You start in that age group. By the time you're 25, you're finding, they find that those people tend to have lower IQs and a harder time making the adult decisions based on consequences, yeah. which are processed in your prefrontal 
yeah, the orbitofrontal cortex. Yeah, this is from the Washington Post article that will include a link on our site too, if you want to, if you guys want to check it out, you in the audience. Uh, I'm just quoting it here. The orbitofrontal cortex is one of the primary regions in a na- na- sorry in a network of brain areas called the reward system. It helps us determine what is good for us and what keeps us sustained. In this case, the orbitofrontal cortex plays a role in drug use because drug use and things associated with paraphernalia, for example, are associated with the rewarding effects of drugs. So it's it's what makes you decide um, how you justify ingesting more marijuana or you know driving driving or, or all of those having yeah. sex with your partner or somebody all else kinds of or higher functioning whatever, ideas yeah. yeah so once you've got that damage then you're you, there's a lot of other it's a cascade of, of problems that start happening so they did mri scans to look at the brain of 62 non-marijuana users and 48 regular marijuana users and 27 of them use marijuana but not other drugs. The marijuana users reported ingesting the drug about three times a day, which is considered heavy use, and had used it for an average of about 10 years. And they um, identified, look, they were looking for structural differences, if any. And they um, discovered that, um, the, yeah, let's, I'm going to They discovered here. that the front orbital frontal cortex lobe area mm-hmm. was smaller that the connectivity between yeah. regions of the brain were bigger, and the, that the white matter—I don't mm-hmm. know what the white matter is in your brain—but the white matter was larger. Yeah, so it's it's making physical changes in your brain, right? And keeping them there. Now, I'm just because this was stated a lot earlier. This is about younger people using it, mm-hmm. not right. This is during brains. the this is during the brain development phase, which. For most human beings, ends around age 25. By your by, roughly age 25, your brain is completely developed into its adult form, and then after that, if you start using marijuana, the way that it affects your brain is different. Yeah, and it makes so. sense that our brains would make a change in, in when you're young, because if your environment is is a certain way your 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 young brain is trying to assimilate it so you right. have to adapt this is the adaptation stage this right. is why kids do better in changes than adults do because they're able to permanently make that change right. whereas a uh, older person will just say this is a temporary thing so i don't have to change anything physical <laughs> for it there's a lot of a lot of uh, energy goes into changing your brain but when marijuana is the thing that you're using which is not a, not supposed to be a permanent part of your of your life, then the marijuana stops and you still have that brain function suited for heavy marijuana use. What are you supposed to be doing with the rest of your life? You're, you're not adapted for the use without marijuana. So that's when we're talking about addiction and brain changes that can be damaging to good life change, um, life situations later on. Right. And I mean, this study didn't talk about whether or not, those young people became addicted or were considered addicted later or mm-hmm. if they had a harder time letting go and not using marijuana. Right. Just talked about the changes in the, the shape of the brain. Yeah. And, the- and it, they were also somewhat inconclusive on whether or not that was ultimately really bad because it it looked like they still have a heck of a lot more studying to do. They really, to be, really do. Really what it boils down to. And it. that's the nice thing about legalization is now we can do the, the studies. Right. And what drug advocates will say is, well, it's not as addictive as other things. Okay, you're right. That doesn't mean it's not addictive. Right. I mean, you could say it's safer for me, a really horrible driver, to drive my little SUV as opposed to driving you know, a, a pickup truck 
know, on a slippery road. It's still really dangerous for me to drive my SUV because I'm a terrible driver. You know, it's still there, there's still mm-hmm. that piece right there. That's a terrible correlation. You're that's what just no, ran into my head. It's okay. <laughs> You're actually not that bad at driving. Okay. <laughs> You're good. I think okay. the simile could be, or the metaphor could be, uh, drinking. Right. Um, yeah. Some people can't drink it. Some like, people can can drink it to moderation, and some people have no problem with it. Mm-hmm. And it's really about that change in chemistry of the individual, mm-hmm. and over time, how the chemistry that alcohol causes in your in your body. Yeah. If you're a heavy drinker or heavier drinker, you may start to develop the need to have it to become you know normal. Yeah. Right. And, and that's the slippery slope right there. It'll yeah. change depending on the person. Some people will smoke marijuana and for recreationally, and they feel nothing. Except, you know, some kind of annoying, you know, oh, I've got cotton mouth now. Hooray, this is really fabulous. Uh, other people, they one little hit off of a, a joint and then they're blissed out and, you know, they're not feeling pain or whatever they were trying to get for. So it's different people responding in different ways and that needs to be honored and that's part of the science. Right. right. Well, and then again, too, if, if you, again, back to alcohol, if you, you've, you've seen the loud drunk, the angry drunk, the happy drunk, right. you know, it affects people differently. In fact, you know, that sometimes you don't want to hang around with certain people when they're drinking because right. they're just not people they want to be around. Mm-hmm. Same thing with uh, marijuana use. I've been around people that you know, you, they're just mean, or mm-hmm. they get really loud, or they just become so passive that you don't even want to be with them. Or they're giggling at everything that's ever said, so they, they're in a point where you can't have a conversation yeah. with them. Yeah, so, what are they like when they're self-absorbed? Right. 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 <laughs> is it fun to be with them when they're that way no, or not? I don't know. know. Right. But it is very, it depends on our brain chemistry. And, and of course, um, marijuana is also fat-soluble. So it'll stay with you for a while, and that can be a good thing for some people, and for some others it's not. Marijuana and meth users, for example, just in my experience in the clinic, not the best combination. A lot of the folks that have a history of meth use, they have no fat in their body. So mm-hmm. they're, they're smoking all the time. Right. Mm-hmm. They you would know? end up smoking a lot of marijuana. That's their, yeah, that's yeah. their re- temporary replacement for meth, which they also have to get later. But they've got to get through the day. Right. So this is what they're doing to get until they can get to meth. What a pretty picture. Yeah. Lordy. Yeah. So some, yeah, yeah combining um, marijuana with other things, not so awesome. Right. But we did, we did um, in an earlier show talk about how opiate use in states in which, uh, I can't remember exactly which show this is, states in which uh, marijuana was legalized went down. So right. death from op- opiate, opiate use went down. And that's, that's interesting. And that's a, if, if we can prevent that, then that's great. I'm all about that. But right. just to assume that it's fabulous and everyone should smoke it or to assume it's horrible and no one should ever smoke it, I think that's a mistake. And let's talk about that concept of smoking entirely. Right, yeah. That's one of the things that really angers me about the law we have in Oregon is that it prohibits people from finding other ways to consume marijuana for whatever reason, whether they're doing it for spiritual exploration, whether they're doing it for recreational use, mm-hmm. for medicinal use, self-medicated or otherwise, they're not allowed to do it in a way that isn't actually un- not necessarily very healthful. Right. That's wait, wrong. Wait, no. So that I mean, that, you can vaporize it, so you know it's going in through your lungs, but you should be allowed to extract it into a tincture, like into alcohol or into water. You should be allowed to make a massage oil. I mean, it has historically been used as a massage oil to help deal with some topical specific mm-hmm. pain. Yep. You know, why can't we do that? That well, makes me angry. Another part of that amendment, and, and this is another reason why I voted no, is that 
when you read it, there's things that seem to contradict some things. Mm-hmm. And in one part of the, they're they're saying you know you can have you can do baked goods and other things, and in another part they're saying you can't. Well, they're you saying know. you can do baked goods, but you have to purchase the oil or butter extraction. Right, you can't you, you can, can't extract it yourself. You're not allowed to make your own marijuana see, butter and, to bake and, your and own cookies. And see, that is where I find this amendment fails. Mm-hmm. Yes, because you're. You're, you're sort of kind of maybe making it legal, but not really. Yeah, you're right. making it legal for corporations to sell stuff to you. Exactly. And that's what we need in our life. Yeah. You know that last March, CNN did a short interview with President Obama, and he talked about, you know, that whether or not, he talked briefly about, he said that letting the corporations start peddling marijuana to our children is really, really bad. Mm-hmm. It's not a good choice. And that, you know, likewise, just legalizing it isn't necessarily panacea. And I think I agree with him mm-hmm. that allowing corporations to be in charge of all the marijuana extracts, that just looks like we're getting setting ourselves up for, you know, Joe Weed instead of Joe Camel. Right. <laughs> yeah, know? exactly. I mean, well, and there's plenty of stories in Oregon about um, these big cigarette companies coming through and buying up land because the clear idea is, I mean, why else would Marlboro want to buy your land? Because they want to grow a pot on it. Right. You know, they I mean, want to do it, not we, us. We've <laughs> seen Colorado's already. They're, this Now they're beginning to rethink how they're allowing packaging and that sort of thing to be. Right mm-hmm. now, the, the packaging that they've had for the brownies and cookies and candies right. and gummy tarts. <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. Pot tarts, gummy, gummy, gummy weed worms. Gummy, yeah. <laughs> There's all sorts of things that look like they're being marketed toward children. Right. And just Colorado like Joe is, Camel. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like and they're, and they're, you know, they're changing that. They're working on changing that in their state. But mm-hmm. I, I find that frightening in our state that our law is written pretty much to support exactly mm-hmm. that. Well, I think the law, that's the unintended consequence of the law of control. Mm-hmm. They want to control the source, they want to control the vendor, and then they want to control how you use it. Right. All the way through the system so that if you want to have cookies, you can. You can carry them. You can have that many pounds of cookies with you. But you can't make those chocolate chip cookies at your house. You have to go buy them from a vendor. Right. So the unintended consequence is, well, now, now the vendors are going to have them. Well, the vendors need to have their suppliers. And their suppliers are going to be big companies making the stuff. And they're mm-hmm. going to have funky names, with funky packaging, and it's going to be attractive to the exactly to the people that they don't want to have happen, right. which is right. young kids. children, younger and people, yeah, and people under twenty-one. So yes. again, that's it's an unintended consequence of this overall control. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So and well, I, you know, my other frustration with it is that I don't think I don't I personally don't think it should be used recreationally. Mm-hmm. I think that occasionally, if you've got back pain or a headache or whatever, and mm-hmm. marijuana helps, you should be allowed to just take that like you would take an aspirin. If you're an adult right. and your brain is fully formed and you can make intelligent decisions and be held responsible for the consequences of those decisions. Mm-hmm. And by saying, no, you aren't allowed to have make your own medicine at home. Now you have to go out and buy it. Yeah, that frustrates the heck out of me. Yeah. <laughs> the other frustration I have with this is. Is, are, are we talking about um, if we legalize it, does that mean there's going to be Oregon Tilt certified marijuana? <laughs> exactly, right? You know, I mean, what's it, okay? It's certified organic. It was certified organic, which would be okay. All, the special gummy worms are all organic. Which would be okay, but not very likely. If you walk into a right. garden shop, then you get to see a whole lot of hardcore chemicals that people are pouring into their indoor gardening. We're 
I, yeah. I think we're the D, DEA said we're number one for indoor gardening of <laughs> marijuana. Yes, you we know? are. And the kind of stuff that Be people careful. are putting on there are very it's very very toxic. In Humboldt right. County, that's one of the the legal issues they have down there is you have these huge amounts of people that are growing. They're they're siphoning off the river. They're sending all of this horrible pesticides and herbicides and fertilizers back downstream. And it, they're killing off, you know, they don't want voles and things like that to be eating their plants. So they're putting all this rat poison and stuff all over these beautiful, oh, pristine wow. woods. And it's a nightmare. It's killing things. Yeah. It's a nightmare down yeah, there. And it's, it's a huge it's a huge issue. And Humboldt County is really up in arms. There's folks that have stood up and said, hey, you, you guys have to stop this. Mm-hmm. And I know one of the people through um, another friend who stood up and said, you know, pot farmers, I understand what you're doing here, but you are poisoning our waters and you have to stop it. And he lost his job for it. Oh, geez. That's really, you know, so yeah. being the whistleblower amongst this supposedly <laughs> hippie culture <laughs> turned into we'll get you and here's the pitchforks coming out there. Right. Well, so, I mean, along with that, I mean, the Humble Colony was the biggest um, donator of political funds outside of corporate for you know, preventing the legalization of, of marijuana in the last election. Oh, to keep right. it illegal, yeah, they, they get a lot of money. Yeah, yeah. Right. They, they'll right. lose money if, if it becomes legal in our then state. Then they have to actually pay taxes. I mean, oh, boy, on. right? Yeah, $35 for every ounce goes to Oregon taxes. That's and a lot. That's a lot, yeah. It seems so. like a high tax. Not that I'm anti that tax right. thing. I mean, No, no, I want I, more money, you know, yeah. our, our, our poor Oregon we need we need more money. People are funny about paying taxes in Oregon. Not like it's fun anywhere else, but yeah, we need to have um, some kind of regulation on how those things are grown because we just can't. We have a beautiful, pristine state, and to right. start throwing all of that stuff into our systems and our riverways, I am not okay with that. Well, I mean, one of the things Oregon is a very do-it-yourself state, right? And I imagine that based on this law, an awful lot of people would say, "Well, I'll just grow my own." Because mm-hmm. it's really not that hard. Oh, yeah. That's... And I can do it outside in my backyard where it's not in view of the public streets. <laughs> yeah, as if you can you know? disguise the smell. Well, <laughs> but, you're not, but the smell is okay. Uh-huh. You can legally have the smell out there. It right. says you cannot see it with an Over unaided. the fence, right. Yeah, you can't see mm-hmm. it with unassisted. Like, you can't stand there with binoculars looking for people's pot in their backyards. Right. If you're standing in a public space like the street or the sidewalk and you can see it, then there's a problem, but mm-hmm. you know, like in my personal backyard, I could theoretically do it. I'm not saying I will, but mm-hmm. you know, and and hopefully people will start growing plants that are a little more balanced than what the hydroponic growers are yeah, doing. Except are, that it's going the other way. Well, that's you what know, they're that's doing. The, that's the thing: is it becoming more and more and more chemical? Right. And people are putting. You know, who knows what's coming up from the soil that people are now smoking immediately? That's also fat soluble. A lot right. of those pesticides and herbicides yeah. are fat-soluble, fat so you're storing all of that stuff along with the THC in your fat and carrying it around for a long time. Right, but all, a lot of those growers that are doing that, they're growing in hydroponics or, I mean, we're talking, you're or talking just about... just pots of soil. The yeah. people that are doing that are doing, they're the large-scale cultivators. No, these are small-scale, too. I mean, that's one of the problems, that's one of the things that master gardeners have been doing is the majority of the pollution in our waters is from small Small people, backyard, like four using, plants. 
what are no for just like we have we have all kinds of pesticides and herbicides in our water because of gardeners like us because we don't read the label you know we spray in the driveway and it bleeds into our water system and right but is that i mean people fell across the streets constantly spraying all this dandelions Uh which i find to be you know a hideous crime against humanity yeah. And the whole world, but he's doing it. Right. And it has nothing to do with pot. And I know that man's not going to be growing pot over there. Yeah, but <laughs> there will be, you can guarantee, people in your neighborhood growing yeah. like that. And the kind, the high level of toxins that they put on those plants to make them bud out more and, uh, you know, do all these magical, wonderful things, is it's, yeah. it's, it's concerning. Yeah. And there's so many, we always think, well, it's just one person, and it's never one person. There's right, well, my hope is that, that there will be more and more people, because there's a lot more people here that choose organic methods. They do. So hopefully... Where, where I grew up. Yeah. You know, so I'm thinking, well, hopefully they, those same people will be choosing organic methods for mm-hmm. their pot. Right. But and here, hopefully the pot will start to become more... But here's the rub, right? So if balanced. you can only have four plants, mm-hmm. okay, and you're going to do everything in your power to make those four plants successful, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, because you right. can't have... start Like when you start gardening, right. you throw a bunch of seeds down and then you thin them out and you get your four. Right, yeah. So right. you're allowed to have four plants. Right, and that's it. And that's it. Right. So, I mean, if you try to do it the standard way that we would grow something, right. it sounds like it's a leap. It's a risk. Right. It's a risk. And it's also a risk because you're only allowed to have four plants, and I think that includes four, four immature plants. Well, there's... No, the, the, it's four mature plants. Four and mature. Now, how many immature okay. ones? Because I, I think I think there was a limitation that was rather there small. was a limitation to it. And yeah. since marijuana grows in either male or female, and the female ones have the buds, and that's what everyone's after. Mm-hmm. It's like you know, like when you get chickens, right, chicks, yeah. You know, <laughs> right? Yeah, you yeah, get four chicks, and you pray <laughs> yeah. to God you don't have any roosters, and you might end up with four roosters, and then. Then, so, yeah, you then you've just wasted a whole entire season, right? Because in our state, in our area, it's probably only going to grow about half the year, mm-hmm. so you're going to need to be planting it. You know, in May or so. Right. So the plants. girl plant, what you're saying, Patrick, is the girl plant. You really want to make sure that's worth it. Oh yeah. yeah. So you're gonna you're gonna do the things you're talking about, Sue. So I'm gonna fertilize it. I'm mm-hmm. gonna add all this stuff. I'm gonna make mm-hmm. sure that it grows and it right. grows well. You're gonna do soil samples. Oh, yeah. You're, you're gonna, gonna. It's like it's like the, the diehard tomato grower. Right. Exactly. Right. Which you know. there is a huge. Ser- yes. uh, the oh, things God. that are are sold for for tomato growers are mm-hmm. also sold. To marijuana growers, exactly. and that's how they were disguising it before. Right, right, right. Yeah. This exactly. is for tomatoes. Yeah, yeah. you'll uh, have the biggest tomatoes, tomatoes ever. The most potent. <laughs> Which is so funny too, because most of the people that I come across that that imbibe weed recreationally mm-hmm. are the biggest organic eating wannabe hippie people they're like oh it's yeah. organic and free range and that and yet they'll pump that plant full of whatever to get steroids and, yeah. And, yeah. and they'll buy plants that you know the or the product of those plants that are just doing it and not even think about it yeah yeah well because think, marijuana is healthy right yeah. I, I think that kind of ta- that that just sort of points to some of the you know the un- imbalance of our society and, mm-hmm. and the spiritual lacking of wholeness I right. guess we don't have a very healthy culture yeah. spiritually and that dualistic it's either this or that and nothing mm-hmm. in between and the extremes we're yeah. very good at extremes in this country yeah. when it comes to cultural things yeah not always our politics but our cultural things right we kind of go to the nth degree mm-hmm. you're either well, with this or a Guinness <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I find it telling that one of my friends who was a staunch advocate of this amendment in Oregon it was he's not political at all but by gum you wouldn't know it at a party with him on this subject mm. and 
when we had this debate, him and I, uh, one night, and we talked for about a couple of hours about it, and, and I finally said, everything that you do right now is going to be illegal still. Mm-hmm. The way you purchase it, the way you produce it, the way you smoke, everything that you do with your plant is going to be completely illegal. Right. Right. And I said, after, if it passes on that day, it's still going to be illegal. Yeah. So right. are you going to change the way that you, that you get a hold of it, produce it and use it? And he said, no. I said, then you're still breaking the law. So in what way is this legal just, for you? You just right. voted to pass a law that, that, that violates everything that you believe in. Exactly. Right. And he yeah. said, well, and he told me it's a good first step. Right. Yeah. That's that's yeah. what he said because now it can it's evolve. It's the gateway law. Yeah. 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 It's, it's the gateway law, right? Because now it can change and people can change it. I said it's going to be really hard to change it. I said, yeah, the, it's like the, the Affordable Care Act. Right. Mm-hmm. Liquor laws okay. haven't changed in the state of Oregon since they, it seems like they were made. The OLC mm-hmm. is not going to change anything. Yeah. A major class action suit would have to happen, and it just won't. And we're doing right. exactly the same thing. We had a prohibition. And then we make these laws and we, we say, okay, now it's okay. The pro, we don't have to break casts or whatever anymore. And nothing really changes. So that's one of the other things. I was like, man, I wish I was in one of the other states that didn't pass it yet so that Oregon and Washington and Colorado can make all the mistakes. And we go, oh, well, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, right. I know now, exactly. now our state is featured on a jackass <laughs> somewhere. <laughs> you know. So, yeah, and it'll yeah. be interesting to see what California ends up doing and what model they'll take. Yeah. If right. it even passes. Right. Yeah, I yeah. think the model we took was closer to Colorado's than it was to Washington's. Mm-hmm. And it looked it like was. Alaska went in the direction more toward Colorado's version. Yeah. As well, from the little bit I read of that law. Mm-hmm. And so. it will be very interesting to see how the OLCC deals with that because they are, right now, all they do, they have a small office up in Portland and then agents in the field that try to bust people. That's right. what they do. So you've got this group of folks that all they all they do is file paperwork. They take in the fines and certify people to be bartenders and whatever. And then they try to bust folks. Oh, that's awesome. You know, that's really what I want to see. So they've already got that working model. They, they're not going to vary that. They're still going to just take in your fines and scoop up your money and then just go bust people that are growing illegally or buying illegally or sending some kid in and who's under 21 and try to buy pot and then close down the shops. And there's so many loopholes in our Oregon law that it's basically up to the FDA's discretion or not FDA, sorry, OLCC's discretion. They can just look and go, ah, I'm kind of feeling funny about this person. So I'm not going to let them go. And that's perfectly okay. It's written into the the rules, right? Just discretion by your, by your instincts or whatever, or how much money you got slipped as a bribe, you know, that's the way I would read that. <laughs> but I'm cynical. Yeah, a little bit. But it is, it's, it'll be interesting over the next year or two mm-hmm. or three to see how we end up enacting this and what really changes for our state. Um, so uh, I also want to say that uh, we are, uh, we do have some more information about this on our site. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm waiting for this thing to wrap up, up here. I'm trying to wrap up the show. It's not going to. It's, been, it's down been actually. I do, and here it is now. It, it just showed up. A, it's been a surprisingly nerve-wracking show to put together for oh, us. Oh, it's been so stressful. It's, it's a heated issue. It is a really, and it's we're breaking taboo, which yeah. is really hard for me, surprisingly. Yeah. Well, and I don't, you know? I don't really like the. I hate the smell of the plant now. It either smells like wood glue to me or skunk. 
Right. One of the two. I don't remember it smelling that way when I was young. But right. uh, there's a lot of things that I don't remember being that way when I was young. So that's not Well, you were different. you were young a hell of a lot. I mean, it was the Stone Age, wasn't it, when you were it, young? It was. We rode around on dinosaurs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We tried to wrap pot into rocks. It was very unsuccessful. But things were different then. Yeah. But for more information, links, and resources that we mentioned on this program, check out our show notes on realherbalismradio.com. You can find, well, you can't find recipes, but you can sure find how-tos and more detailed information on the topics that we discussed on thepracticalherbalist.com. The Practical Herbalist Press, that's in addition to our website and our podcast. That is right. Practical Herbalist Press is all about providing really good books and information by written by experienced herbalists. Us. Us, but others <laughs> eventually as yes, well. Yes, that's very true. And it's bite-sized information that we research the heck out of. We have medical information out there that we're really doing a lot of research on. We are. We have growing gardening with herbs. We got stuff for about pets, your yes. home, your family, ethnobotany. Ethnobotany. Mm-hmm. We also put it in terms of the traditional ways we've talked about historic, herbs, like yeah. historic. Mm-hmm. Whether they're warm and cooling, that right. sort of thing. Mythical and very practical stuff. The Practical Herbalist Press is dedicated to providing the best herbal related books on the market. Look for our titles on Amazon, search for the Practical Herbalist Press, or visit our website at practicalherbalistpress.com. Herbalism 101. Sue, one of the big things that I've been seeing in a lot of the studies, since we're talking about marijuana today, mm-hmm. is that marijuana has been proven to be useful and helpful in dealing with neuropathy. Right. What is neuropathy? Well, that's a kind of code for chronic pain. Okay. And you'll see both of those terms used interchangeably. And neuropathy is not in and itself a disease, but it's a symptom of a variety of other things. So it means like diabetes. Like diabetes, it's a symptom of diabetes. Yeah. That's one of the most common ones. Yeah, um, it is damage to the nerves in the peripheral nervous system, and it can affect the nerves um, that are outside of the brain and the spinal cord. That's why you'll see it mostly in hands or most commonly in feet. So okay. people that have unchecked diabetes, they will get. Um, swelling, edema in the feet and the ankles and anything below the knee and then you'll start to have um, your leg will and foot will swell up to be about twice the size, start getting blisters and diabetic oh. ulcers and I know really it's, horrible. it's horrible and it's very painful and until it starts um, destroy the nerves are starting to become destroyed so you'll lose it from the ends of the toes can't feel mm-hmm. your toes can't feel your feet on up right. and at that point you know that's when people start getting surgical like, constructs yeah, for like amputation. amputations yeah. yeah definitely so what are some of the herbs that would be helpful to someone who's dealing with neuropathy um, well fortunately a lot of those herbs are herbs are ones that were very, very familiar with and that we love. Uh, nettle. And legal. And legal, legal. And legal. It's not all just <laughs> bad things. But uh, for internally, uh, those really nutritive herbs like nettle and oats, they help rebuild the nervous system. And they're really high in minerals. And that's what you what you need. A lot of times you're depleted in minerals if you have. Um, and B vitamins, I should also mention. Right. If you have um, neurological damage like that. And I think that if you can get that from your food, it's best. But, of sure. course, we need some topical 
medication as well. Right. St. John's Wort, is that, that's another one I've heard it, you mention. Yeah. Is and that a topical? It is a topical, and you can take it internally as well. It's fabulous for rebuilding the nerves, and right. massage therapists love it because they'll get someone who has uh, damage. For instance, there's a gentleman that he's a logger, and a branch fell on him, and it crushed his mm. hip. And in rebuilding that, the massage therapist, after you know the structural damage was replaced, he still had all this horrible neuropathy, as you can and only yeah. imagine. So she used St. John's wort with um, essential oil, was lavender, I believe, in order to help reduce that. Uh, swelling and rebuild those nerves and the lavender did a fine job of helping with the pain Mm -hmm. Uh, you see lavender essential and we do have a folio coming out for that one if it's not already out by the time um, the listeners are hearing this on lavender and how good it is for uh, controlling pain and voluntary um, those for those involuntary nerves but we put that into foot baths with epsom salts uh, because of the high magnesium load uh, we also have a variety of other herbs that replenish the skin, calendula being one of them. Uh, when your leg is splitting apart, that's extremely painful as well, just that on its own, let alone the reason right. yeah, for the But damage. like the calendula is not specifically for the neuropathy, it's to help control the bacterial infection, dry right. out any excess liquidiness, yeah. and so... yeah. Um, what about Arnica Montana? Is that another one? Or Cayenne? Those are two that I've been thinking oh, possibly. Yeah. Would those be good neuropathy? Yeah, and, and those are more often used for people that have uh, a damage. Their neuropathy is not necessarily from diabetes, but from an accident. Sure. You know, so it's helping rebuild in that way. And it, it's it's everyone knows Arnica right, you know, in right. some ways. You can get it in a homeopathic dose or you can get it in a cream or... Topicals are fabulous for neuropathy because you're also promoting circulation. Right, you yeah, know, cayenne. You're it in. Cayenne, cayenne and, and actually, cayenne, it doesn't have to be specifically cayenne pepper, it just has to be any hot pepper. Right, yep. You know, the red, a lot of the cayenne that we buy, cayenne pepper we buy, is actually just red pepper. It's mm-hmm. not necessarily the cayenne species specifically. Mm-hmm. So it's important that it's just red hot pepper it's like a, a habanero would do the job oh yeah yep 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 <laughs> yeah and it also the cayenne is good at controlling bleeding so yeah. and for pain you'd think that putting cayenne into a wound would be a horrible horrible thing now i wouldn't be sticking it in my eyes or up my nose but yeah. i have put it on you know a gash that i got and it and it stopped the bleeding yeah so as well as controlled that pain so sure. that's you know that's a big option there, but I'm really partial to St. John's wort, both internally and externally. It makes a beautiful oil, yeah, you know? nice does. red, gorgeous oil with the <laughs> the you put your lavender essential oil in there again, and that's just a you can combine that with a whole bunch of different things. And rosemary too, would be rosemary, another. yes, yeah. Um, that people have said ginkgo is really good for neuropathy, and that does not necessarily echo my experience, but my experience is just my experience other people yeah yeah, because it does help with circulation so it makes sense rosemary also helps with circulation right but we we've seen some substantiated studies out there about rosemary and that's what we have most access to rather than the ginkgo so there's there's that piece of it as well so if you're looking for herbs for neuropathy one of the things you'll probably look for is analgesic or Mm -hmm. pain relieving but you also probably look for nervines or nerve building herbs as Mm -hmm. well Ginkgo, so. uh, even though ginkgo's on that list, um, I really promote the use of, of ginger, turmeric. Yep. Those are fabulous for working on the um, the 
pain. They're right. really good anti-pain. What they we have these nerves that have something called substance P that goes in between the nerves, mm-hmm. and it depletes substance P, so you're not actually feeling that pain. Ah, nice. Yeah. Yeah. And again, these are once herbs that are really good for your circulation, so it helps your body heal. Lovely. Yeah. Well, yeah. thank you very much, Sue. Yeah, thank you. If you want the dirt on herbs, herbalism, or anything else related, you can send your question using our simple contact form at realherbalismradio.com slash herbalism101. We'll do our best to answer your question on a future episode of Real Herbalism Radio. Thank you for listening to Real Herbalism Radio. Your hosts have been Candace Hunter and Susier Lupe. To find more information and recipes from today's show, or to leave a comment or suggestion, visit us online at realherbalismradio.com. Feeling social, you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash thepracticalherbalist. Don't forget to look up our ebooks and herbal folios at amazon.com. Use the search terms Practical Herbalist. The show is brought to you by Practical Herbalist Press, herbal books for today's practical herbalist. Find their books on at amazon.com today.